and you have your Bibles this morning, the gift of God. In 1907, the Russian czar wanted to give a great gift to his wife. She bore him a son named Alexia. So she had a Fabergé, he had a Fabergé egg made by the famous egg maker. It was covered in diamonds. It was to commemorate the third birthday of his son. He gave it to his wife, and inside it he had a diamond necklace for his wife with a beautiful picture of their son in diamonds. The egg today is said to be worth between 20 and $30 million. It was a gift, but it's one to be looked at. In 1844, France, on July the 4th, presented America with a great gift. The Lady of Liberty took nine years to build, four months to erect. And if you've ever gone by her in New York Harbor, she stands for something. You can go up and touch her, but it won't make you free. She cost a great deal from France, but it was a gift. Christmas time has become really about gifts. It is family, but it's about gifts. If you have children, small children, they already know what Christmas is. You think about it. Oh, their eyes dance. It's uh, about uh, uncle coming and grandma coming and grandfather coming and all the different family. And then it's about Christmas. We get to open our gifts. That's what it's become. Well, I just want to draw your attention to this gift, the gift of God. It's different than all the other gifts. How many of you heard the name Marilyn Monroe? Well, she died in 1962. And her great lover, Joe DiMaggio, decided to give her gift posthumously. She had died. It didn't do her any good. But it was a show of uh, grief and remorse. So for, he went to a, far, he went to a florist in L.A. and said, I want you to bring red roses to Marilyn's grave forever, three times a week. Send me the bill. And so every other day, someone from the florist went there and put red roses on her grave. And it was known, oh, that's where Marilyn Rowe is buried. Oh, those are from Joe DiMaggio. Forever. After 20 years, he sent the florist a note and said, you don't have to do it anymore. I can't, I don't want to continue. Well, 20 years is enough to grieve, I guess. And cost a lot of money. No telling how much, no one knows how much he spent on those roses as a gift. But I want you to notice this gift of God. It's different than all the gifts we've spoken about. It's not something you just look at, and that's the blessing of it. It's not something you could 
see on someone's grave and reminded, oh, how he loved somebody. It's not even a statute for a country and really for the world to look and say, that represents freedom. Because people that see that say, well, I'm not free. It doesn't make you free. It's just a reminder that in this country you can be free. Oh, you'd have to go through a lot to become a citizen of this country if you weren't born here. But this gift of God is completely different than all the other gifts. And I just want to draw your attention to it. Jesus said, you need to this woman of Samaria the gift of God. And so you get that gift from Jesus Christ. He said, if you knew the person that you were speaking to, said you'd ask for this gift of living water. And, and she said, well, I don't understand. Most people don't understand the gift of God. Number one, it's not like Joe DiMaggio's gift. By the way, he died in 96, I think it was, uh, and, and he stopped the gift 17 years earlier. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 6. I want you to see the length of this gift. Romans chapter 6, if you would. I love to study Scripture and compare Scripture to Scripture and find out the definition of things. Notice, if you would, he said, remember, the gift of God. Well, look, if you would, in Romans chapter 6, look in verse number 23. For the wages of sin is death. In other words, the payment for all of our sins is death. What we have earned because we're sinners because we tell a little lie, because we have the wrong thoughts, a covetous thought, a lustful thought, a bitter thought, because we harbor a grudge, or because we uh, are mean to someone, or we say something, or we give somebody a piece of our mind. And so those things, he said, for the wages of those thoughts, words, and deeds are death. That's the reason everybody's going to die, unless the Lord comes back and gets us. Notice, if you would, in verse number 23, for the wages of sin is death, but here it is, the gift of God. Exact same wording, Greek text and in the English text, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that little phrase there tells us a lot about that gift. Number one, how long it lasts. It's the gift of God is eternal life. In other words, it is that you and I will be able to live eternally, eternally with Jesus Christ himself. He has prepared a place. He said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. Everybody in this room can live eternally with Jesus Christ if you'll accept this gift of God. And this woman in, Rome, in, in, in John chapter 4 said, how, how can you give me this gift? Because uh, you don't even have a, a bucket to draw water from, the well. And how do you get living water, water that, that has no end of the benefits it gives? He said, that's the gift of God. She said, I, I don't understand. Well, just so that you're here today, there are a lot of churches. You can go around this world, and you'll hear about this gift, but it'll be temporary until you sin again. Or it'll be if you do this, 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 and this, you can have it. What I want you to understand this morning is this gift of God is different than all the other gifts. It doesn't 
tell you about freedom. It makes you free. It doesn't tell you that freedom can be eternal as long as you fight for it and defend it. This gift of God is freedom eternally with Christ in heaven. And he said, I prepared a place for you. Now, uh, you and I, uh, this place here took uh, uh, four or five years to build from start to finish. From the time we uh, put it on a piece of paper and drew up the, the way it, the way it uh, sits on the, on the land, uh, going through the county, uh, getting all them, their agreements, and then all of a sudden it's done five years. Can you imagine what heaven must be like if he's been working on it for 2,000 years? If Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 are true, which they are, and he made this world in six days, and he's been working 2,000 years on heaven, that's the reason he said in, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I have not seen nor ear heard the things which God has prepared for them that love him. This eternal life is greater than you could possibly even dream of. If you laid on your bed for the rest of your life and just dreamed about what heaven might be like, what eternity would be like, you can't even think of one thing he's got prepared for you. He said, I've got things prepared for you. And I, I began to think about it. Well, I, I wonder if we would go from star to star if, if he would allow us to have the ability uh, uh, to, uh, to, I, I, to wish it. I, I wished I was on Mars and we're there. I wish I could go to that next galaxy past the Milky Way and we're there. I, I wish, you know, the Lord said, no, Dave Pittman, it's, it, it's better than that. I could wish that the Washington Redskins would win the Super Bowl. And he said, now that's a hard one, I'm telling you. You and I cannot even dream about the things the Lord has prepared for us. It's the gift of God. It didn't take nine years to prepare like the Statue of Liberty. It didn't cost millions of dollars. It cost something far greater. And by the way, its cost is the reason why you don't work for it. Now think about this. I have one son. The father has one son. He asked his son, Jesus Christ, to come to this world and be born and live the perfect life that you and I cannot live and shed his blood to pay for our sins. You see, God doesn't use dollars and cents in gold and silver. He paves his streets with gold and silver, so gold and silver is worth nothing to him. But blood, that's life. Leviticus 17, 11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul. So the blood of Jesus Christ is what washes away our sin. If you have your Bible, turn with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. I want you to see this verse, Colossians chapter 1. 
Notice with me if you'll see a little bit about the value of the blood. Notice what it can do. Look, if you would, Colossians chapter 1. Look, if you would, with me in verse number 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, that's hell, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom, Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So, if my son were to die for you to make you free, what do you think I would accept in exchange that you could do to equal the value of my son's death? There's nothing on earth that you could do. Because of the value of the Son of God to God the Father, that is why you and I cannot earn salvation. We cannot help salvation. We cannot get baptized to be saved. We cannot give money to be saved. There's nothing you could do because it would go alongside of what Jesus did, and there's nothing that you and I could ever do that would match or even approach or even help Jesus Christ. On the cross, he made three words in English, two in the Greek text, really one, tetelestai. It is finished. The gifts paid for when he died. His blood was shed. The gift of eternal life was paid for by Jesus Christ. That's reason it says in Colossians uh, that he paid for our sins with his blood. And so now you say, well, well, pastor, you know, that, that seems too easy. Not to God. The price was so great, no one in this room had a thing to offer. None of us. Well, I know one of the best Christians I know of, guilty sinner. Yeah, but she does this or he does Guilty sinner. They got nothing God wants. But he does love them, as he does everybody in this room. This gift, how many of you have ever given a gift to someone you didn't really like? They weren't your favorite, let's put it that way. But you gave a gift to somebody that wasn't your favorite. Uh, maybe it's at a party or something like that, or, 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 or maybe uh, uh, you're, you're, you remember in the third grade, and you, how many of you remember being in third or fourth grade, and you'd get gifts, and you'd give little cards and give them all to everybody in your class? How many of you remember doing something like that? Okay, and, and I, I don't know if you ever thought about it, but I don't want to give one to Bobby over there. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to give one to Johnny over there or to David over there. I don't know. And, and so uh, understand this, uh, God has nobody like that. This gift is for everybody. And it is because he loves you. <laughs> I can't explain the love of God. I've been preaching 56 years, and I have no words to describe the love of God. I just know it's true. And the reason I know it's true is because of the price that he paid for this gift for everybody in this room. Now, you'll notice, if you would, in Romans chapter 6, look back over there if you would, Romans chapter 6, I want you to see this verse, 
Romans chapter 6. Look, if you would, in verse number 22, the verse right before this. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness in the end everlasting life. In other words, once you trust Christ as Savior, take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. Notice this. Therefore, being justified by faith, you, that's the way you get this gift. So he's speaking Jesus to this woman at the well. And he said, look, you have to exercise faith. You have to, you have to come to me and I'll give it to you. You, you, just, you just ask for this great salvation, this great gift of God, and I'll give it to you. And everybody in this room, it's a gift that everybody can have because he loves you. It's already been paid for. It lasts forever. You don't have to ask for it twice. And there are some people that say, well, you know, I, I ask the Lord to save me every day. Well, you're wasting your time. Because you're born again once. For by one offering he hath perfected them forever that are sanctified. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. By the which will, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, we are sanctified once for all. Now, I know that doesn't make sense, but it doesn't make sense to me how that God would love sinners so much he just wants to give to you the gift of eternal life. But that's his plan. My son will pay for it. That's the reason the cross is front and center in our church because it represents eternal freedom that Jesus paid for. And it's not something you can work for. Because then God would say, Dave Pittman's works or my son's blood. Forget him. It's a gift. It's finished. It's already been paid for. It's for everybody in this room. And I want you to notice, if you would, in Romans chapter 5, he says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll notice in verse 8, but God commendeth, God gave his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's nothing that he looked at in any of us that ever lived and said, well, because of that, I'm going to die for him. Jesus Christ looked at all of us and said, they're hopelessly guilty. But I love them. And I want them to be in heaven with me. So, son, would you pay their debt? Yes, father. And so Christmas is the celebration of the day Jesus came, was born in a manger that you and I, our Savior's been born, the Savior of the world. It's for everybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So today the, the gift of God is eternal life with him forever. The gift of God is for all, for God so loved the world. And the gift of God is something you can't earn. For by grace are you saved through faith. That and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Ephesians 2.8. He wants you and I to understand this gift is too precious for you to do anything with but receive it.
You know, I, I'm, I'm reminded of a lot of great gifts in life. How many have ever heard of the, there's, a, there's a bowling alley in the White House? How many have ever heard that? It was a gift. It was a gift. How many have ever heard of the Taj Mahal? Worth $70 billion today to rebuild it. It was a gift. But I'm reminded that this gift here is really different. It is a gift that can be rejected. I cannot imagine it, but it can be. You know, I, I read this story one time. I couldn't believe it. In the 18th century, a Russian count, Mr. Orloff, wanted to win the heart of a Russian empress, Catherine the Great. So he decided to do something very special. He had a beautiful rose-cut diamond weighing over 190 carats prepared for her. And he gave it to her in hopes that it would open the door for him and her to be married. She looked at it and said, wow, that's beautiful. But no. Now, what do you think would happen if you gave somebody a gift of a 190-carat diamond and you were rejected? Well, she kept the diamond. She named it after him. Oh, wonderful. You know, however many millions of dollars that was worth. And she said no to me, but kept my gift. Did you know this gift is worth more than a 190-carat diamond? And you can reject it. You see, as it is with almost all gifts, they're given for love's sake. And you can reject them. Now, children are smarter than adults. They never reject a gift. Adults, we get a little older and we say, I, I don't know, you know, this is from that person. I, I, I don't know, you just keep your gift. Um, you can come to Jesus Christ this morning and say, Lord Jesus, um, I, I know that you love me and I, I know that you died for me, but, but I, I don't want your gift. I'll just, I'll just take care of it myself. For whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. You can reject the gift of God, but you can't go to heaven. The only way to get to heaven for everyone in this room is if you accept the gift of God.
And that is Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now listen very carefully. It's not difficult to accept this gift. The woman at the well, she accepted the gift. It doesn't actually give us her verbiage. The man on the cross, the thief on the cross, he was receiving capital punishment. He received this gift. It is simple as this. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you know why most people don't accept this gift? Pride. That's it. You see, in order to accept this gift, you come to Jesus Christ, you say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me of my sin? I'm not proud of what I've done. Would you save me? I'd like to come to heaven. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. The way you accept this great gift is by saying, Lord, I don't deserve it. I'm sorry for my sin, but I'd like to go to heaven. Would you forgive me? And he says, he will forgive you for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is the promise of God. I have the greatest job in all the world. I want you to listen to this. I have the greatest job in all the world because I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher of the gospel. There's never been a man that I've ever met or a woman that I've ever met that I had to go up and say, tell me your story. And they could tell me what I did this and I did that. And I could say, whoops, Jesus won't save you. Never. And it never will. So that means everybody in this room from the left-hand side all the way to the right-hand side, Jesus loves you and he's willing to save you. But you can't earn this gift. It is a free gift. It is given to you and it's free to us, but it always costs somebody. Now I want to take just a minute. Every gift costs somebody something. Then the most treasured gifts are those that someone gave to you personally. Somebody gave me a gift. I don't know who it is, but if you're here today, I'd like for you to come up after church and let me know who you are. Um, I got it yesterday in the mail. It was, uh, it was shrink-wrapped, and it was a blanket, and it had some cool things on it about a pastor, and one of the things on it has said, I was reading this blanket, holding it up, reading it. And I was, well, that's cool, and that's cool, and that's cool. And I saw, pastor warning. Whatever you say in his presence could be used on Sunday morning. Be careful. I said, that's true. That's really cool. If you gave that gift to me, I sure would like to know who it is so I could say thank you. You know what? I know who gave me the gift of eternal life. And I know the only person that can give it to you. I'm not the only person that can share this gift with you. Everybody in this room could that knows Christ as Savior. We're all, the Bible says, ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Do you understand that you represent heaven? How many of you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador. That is a person that lives in this country or lives in another country but represents this country. You and I are all ambassadors for Christ because we live on earth, but we have a home in heaven. 
It's already prepared for us. It's just waiting for us to go back there, to go there uh, and, and to meet the Lord and be with him for all eternity. So everybody in this room, you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. How good of an ambassador are we? You know, the old devil is fighting against the gift of God in two ways. Number one, he wants to prevent everybody in this room from, and everybody in the world from even, number one, hearing about the gift. That's the reason we send out missionaries. That's the reason we try our best to send the gospel around the world. Uh, we have a missionary here this morning out of our church that, um, Brother Alan Sutton, I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we were on the banks of the Amazon River, and, and I'd asked Brother, we're, we're treating people. He's a PA, uh, works in the medical field, and, and uh, we were treating people across the road. Uh, the uh, little village there had given us the public school and said, you can use that to treat people. We treated 1,000 people people, and uh, uh, they would come through, uh, they'd go through the little church across the hall, across the street, and hear a gospel message, and be presented with this free gift. And then, if they wanted some medical treatment, they'd go across the, hall, the street, and get triaged, and be sent to the doctor, and the doctor would send them to the pharmacy, and all of it was free. Now, it cost our church a lot of money. But it was free to all the people. And we did all that for one reason, to be able to share with them about the free gift of God. Jesus Christ was born in a manger. Flies, dirt, filth, no manger's pretty. I grew up my grandparents, and I remember going to the manger and seeing hay and straw put in there and it knocked away all the flies, and, and I can't imagine the Son of God being born in a manger. And the Bible says, as we'll read tonight, because there was no room for them in the end. Nobody would give up a hotel room for a pregnant lady. She has her baby in a manger. He was, lived the perfect life that we could not live. And it came time for him to start his public ministry. He's about 30, and he begins to go around, and, and uh, uh, he gets on, the, uh, uh, on a big mountainside and preaches what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And 20, 25,000 people showed up, and, and then he preaches a tremendous message. And a little bit later on, someone comes up to him and says, you know, uh, I, I believe you're, you're the Son of God. I, I've got leprosy. Could you heal me? And he healed him. Did you know the Bible says that he would go into a village, and everybody in the village would be healed? He'd go to another village, and everybody in the village would get healed. So when he went from place to place, the village, Jesus is here. Everybody would come running around, bringing their loved ones. One time they brought four. They couldn't get to Jesus. He was in a house, so they cut a hole in the roof and dropped their loved one down, and he healed that person. No one ever met Jesus that didn't get healed. And for that, the religious leaders got jealous. You know, there's a lot of jealousy among churches and groups, religious people, battling for people. When in reality, 
all the goal is is to get the gospel to people and you can have the free gift of God. Well, the Jewish leader says, we don't like him healing on a Sunday. I wished I had the gift of healing. Only Jesus has it now. used to be here. But once the gospel was spread, Jesus, no one has the gift of healing. No, when I say that, the gift of healing is uh, someone had a crippled hand and Jesus would just make it right. Someone had leprosy and he, he would come up and heal them. Ten lepers had leprosy. All ten of them got healed. There's no record in the scripture that anybody came to him and didn't get healed, ever. That's the gift of healing. We have the power of prayer. But I've noticed sometimes that my power in prayer does not keep a person alive or doesn't heal them from cancer or leprosy. Yet I do see fruits of that to happen from time to time. We've seen it in our church that many people have been healed uh, from, from uh, uh, cancer and from different things, but treatments and the Lord allows healing. But they said, you can't heal on Sunday. And they brought up charges. He went to three different trials. And then they said, let's, let's kill him. Why kill the person that healed everybody he ever met? But that's what they did. And not just killing him. They didn't just put his head on a block and cut it off. They tortured him to death. I want you to understand the price that he paid. He lived with us for 33 years. People spit on him. They punched him. They mocked him. They beat him with an inch of his life with a cat of nine tails. Stick about that long. Nine thongs in it, leather thongs on the end of each thong, a piece of glass or bone so that when they whip somebody, they just peel the skin off of them. They, that was called a scourging. Many people died in the scourging. That's the reason whenever Jesus was walking up the hill, didn't have enough energy, so much blood loss, that they had to get someone else to take, him, to take his cross up the hill. And then they hung him on the cross. At any point in time, the Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels. There's a song written, actually it's 12 legions of angels, 81,912 of them. But, one of them could have destroyed the world and set him free. But he died alone because he loved you. Now the question is, will you forget about people? Will you forget about your fears? Will you just come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord Jesus, it's me, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? That's number one. Number two, Will you share it with somebody else? Jesus Christ didn't just give it to you so you could put it in your pocket and hide it. How many of you have ever been given? How many of you are married? How many of you are married today? You're, you're married. Let me see your hand. And how many of you received a ring when you got married, before you got married, okay? You gave your wife a ring. It's a, it's, it's a promise ring of sorts, an engagement ring. And how many of you, when you got the engagement ring, you said, oh, oh I don't want anybody to see that. Oh, put it in my pocket. <sighs> That's what we do 
but Jesus Christ. We go silent. And we have in our hearts the great gift of God. Today, do you need the gift? Come and receive the gift today. And maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I've received the gift of eternal life. It was June 26th, 34 years ago. I I, I trusted Christ then. Uh, Then let me ask this question. What are you doing with a gift? You hiding it? Are you letting people know? Tonight's service is about letting children know the love of Christ, and the gift of God. Today, we can share it several ways. One, you can give a track out. Two, you can just tell somebody how you got saved. Three, we can live right. The Bible says, and I want you to turn this real close. Take your Bible and turn to Matthew, if you would, chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And this is what Jesus wants us to do. Once we've accepted the gift of eternal life, and notice this, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, so your good works are light, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let your good work shine. Are we doing that today? That's the way you let your light shine. Oh, it's a song, a children's song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. My prayer is that everybody in this room that hasn't trusted Christ will trust him this morning and receive the gift of God, eternal life. It's paid for. And maybe if you're here today and say, Pastor, I've received that gift. Would you block out all the distractions of life and let your light shine so that people will see why Jesus saved you? Because you're proud of him. You're living right. Your life is different. Let's bow our heads forward in prayer this morning. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm going to heaven, but I sure would like to. Could you forget everybody else is in the room and you just come and meet Jesus this morning and get eternal life settled? And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know, Christmas is a time of gift giving, but, but I want people to know that Jesus has given me my gift, the gift of eternal life. I want to let my light shine. Uh, maybe there's someone you care about very deeply this Christmas season, and you'd like to see them trust Christ. Why don't you come to this altar and, and lift them up and pray for them? And maybe you can pray that that, that person would be saved, that you would have an opportunity of sharing the gospel with them, or that you would have an opportunity to live in front of them and say something or do something with the, let them see Jesus in you. We're going to stand just a moment and sing just as I am. If you need to come this morning, let, let, let's let this Christmas be the best one we've ever had. Let's let the gospel shine in our works. Lord Jesus, Speak to hearts this morning. In your precious name we pray. Amen.